brought to you almost live from the dude in the basement studios. Why? Because that's where the good stuff is. It sips, suds, and smokes with your smoking host, the good old boys. Suds, suds, suds. It's time for more suds. It is definitely time for more suds on this suds episode where everything good in life is worth discussing. I am one of your hosts here at the table, good old boy Mike, and joining me today is good old boy Brian. Hello. And good old boy Chris. How are you? And the shoe. How's it going? Our sud segments are all about beer, beer, and definitely more beer. Today's show is a dual vertical tasting. He's going vertical so much. Yep, we're definitely going vertical today. We'll be enjoying Stone Brewing Woot Stout and another vertical of Brooklyn Brewing Black Ops for sure. Got it. That's your course heading. Now, just below, there's a knob surrounded by hash marks. I want you to turn that knob counterclockwise Two nine or zero. Two nine or zero. Well, for Woot Stout, we'll actually be covering three different versions today: 1.0, 2.0, and 3.0 from Woot Stout from Stone, and from Brooklyn Black Ops. Well, it's going to be 2010, 2011, and 2012. Now, the show is going to give us a uh, general overview on approaching a vertical tasting and maybe what may emerge from an experience like this. Dare I ask, what is going to emerge from an experience like this? <laughs> well, I'll reserve my comments about some of these tastings later. But the, 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 although oh, you guys I was you don't think, want the eleven, you don't want the. 11. I was thinking what's going to emerge from the three of you, not from the tasting itself. So. Well, there you go. Vertical vertical tasting is a, is a very common with products that are usually available in vintage like wine or whiskey. Um, doing so with beer is a bit less common, but. We've got some pretty big beers at the table, so it's produced uh, to be consumed rather quickly. Um, some of the bigger beers, though, actually, they'll age a little bit better. So the things that we have from 2010, it's probably pretty unusual for you guys to think about a beer being five or six years old that we've been holding back and saving. But we do it for these kind of these kind of things. Ooh, that sounds like it's old. I know, exactly. So certain types of beer actually do get better with age um, or simply bottled condition, though, again, Beer's kind of a living organism, so it'll continue to to uh, change as it goes along, and and you might get a little additional fermentation once it's in the bottle. Um, some types of beer do change over time: uh, lambics, barley wines, um, high alcohol type beers. Um, they're actually going to age gracefully. Stouts is another one of those beers. When you get a big stout, it's going to age gracefully. Well spoken, good sir. Thanks, man. There's two. There are two uh, main differences in beers um, with each of these verticals. The Woot Stout's an imperial stout. Um, the Brooklyn Black Ops also is, but the Black Ops is actually aged in a bourbon barrel for four months, uh, so it's going to take on some of the character of the barrel. Woot Stout is partially aged in bourbon barrels for two and a half months, um, so there, there's a um, month and a half difference in the time that's against that wood, so it's going to take on different kind of kind of characteristics. So we'll be revisiting the basic question of is a barrel complimenting the beer or overwhelming it um, with these big booze overtones. Anytime you put these potent combinations of ingredients in the context of time, something interesting generally will happen. 
Um, sometimes it's good and sometimes it's not. Uh, and I think when you see some of our notes, um, you might be surprised at how some of these age versus some of the others. So I'm looking forward to kind of talking about that in a little bit. Hmm. Well, uh, I really appreciate the telling people a little bit about what we're doing here in a vertical tasting. Um, so this is very cool. Uh, it takes a little bit of patience and time to kind of pull something off like this. Um, and not a lot of beers are available, you know, in a vintage like this as well. So, you know, I think that's always something to kind of keep in mind. Well, uh, Brian gets the honors of going over our suds rating today. Now it's our tradition fashion to uh, for a first timer to definitely get harassed i think we're going to get that part down so listen brian you're going to need to channel a military tone while reading this and repeating everything twice just like everybody else does in military movies Now, I have no idea why they always say everything twice, but they go banking left, banking left, and Roger, Roger. But for some reason, we have to say everything twice in the mm-hmm. military. Well, this is a dual vertical. So um, I'd like for you to definitely channel some of these aspects. What <clears throat> what you never notice um, that in a movie, that that happens. You guys never never get that. Oh, I've noticed that. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. No, it's actually your wife or your girlfriend that always says things twice, and then you don't remember it. <laughs> that's the difference. So. Did you just actually ignore me twice, right? Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah, There you go. All right, Brian, take it away. Well, listen up, Sergeant. We will be tasting and discussing these beers. I said these beers and rating them with the Suds. S-U-D-S ratings plus our own signature belching sounds. Here, Private, are uh, some of those ratings now. Number one, that sucks. Private, that sucks. Give me 20 and anything but a bud. Number two, excuse me, Private Chris, was that a belch? No. (laughs) Good. Number three, Mike. Ah. Was that a relief? I'm actually, a relief. I'm actually kind of puckering up over here. <laughs> Number four, a body. I said, a body, as in nobody should really make that sound, sir. <laughs> and number five, listen to that hanged. I'm give me another. <laughs> I agree. Amazing. I have to say, for a first-timer, it's pretty good, you know? First-timer, short-timer. Yeah, I agree. Sounds like we need to celebrate with a beer. Well, Brian, in a non-military tone, is actually going to give us an overview of the Woot Stout uh, that we're going to be talking about today from Stone. All right. Well, let's go over this. So, the Woot Stout, the infamous Woot Stout is a collaboration between a brewing professional, a passionate home brewer, and an all-around beer geek. Uh, In the case of Stone Brewing CEO and co-founder Greg Cook, actor, craft beer lover, and geek idol Will Wheaton. What did he ever act in? Oh, that's... What? Yikes. What did he ever act in? (laughs) Star Trek, dude. Yeah. Yeah, Star Star Trek. Trek. Like eight seasons. (laughs) Yeah. Hey, dude. Like, he, yeah, that's the only thing he's what, ever been in. What but. did he ever act in? 
Ep- so epic fail. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, and the craft beer loving fart.com creator Drew Curtis. Well, this is an extremely imaginative, dark, hoppy, and let me tell you, a massive beer. This is a story of how these three men, the three wise men, dare say we say geeks, met requires a complex explanation and uh, jump back in time. So, back in 2004, Wheaton called to ask, uh, would it be okay for him to put the arrogant bastard ale logo on his blog's website? And who wouldn't? I mean, come on. And Cook just so happened to answer the phone. Hello, this is Greg. It's just fate. <laughs> Since Wheaton was so enthusiastic about the beer. I love your beer. I love you. Cook granted him approval and all the while thinking, hey, this guy's name sounds familiar. And I was not stalking you. Uh, a year later, as crazy random happenstance would have it, Wheaton signed up for the Stone email newsletter, and it just so happened to be the 10,000th email newsletter subscriber, which is pretty random and I, awesome. I think Chris is the first subscriber. Well, he probably Stone. is, uh, but dude, he's not the 10,000th. Totally, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you don't see my beer being produced by Stone. Stoneosaurus, Freakosaurus, Stone Man over here. <laughs> so, astonished that the Will Wheaton was the luckiest subscriber, Cook reached out to him to say, hey, what's up, and thank you. And that really started to lay the foundation, uh, which bloomed into a great friendship on a mutual appreciation of craft beer that is super delicious. So, as Will's enthusiasm about the beer grew throughout the years. He took up the noble art of homebrewing, which most of us have, I think, at this point. Oh, crap, it boiled over. Ah! <laughs> That's a bummer. A lot of cleanup. So, when he was doing this, he also blogged about his accomplishments. <laughs> and then, eventually... Look, it does not suck. Oh, no, it doesn't. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Eventually, in 2012, Cook and Wheaton discussed the idea of brewing together, right? And then in early uh, 2013, the clouds parted, and the sun beamed down, and then unicorns were dancing on rainbows, and, and finally, they found time in their busy schedules, what? To meet. Oh, for a session, but where? In a stone brew house. I'm well, so captivated. You know, though, I mean, holy grail. it could have been at the San Diego airport. I mean, that is one of the best airports in the world because that's of the fact that they sell stone awesome. beer. There's a stone restaurant yeah, there. They we get to sell duck, stone the beer. duck tacos and everything Straight else. Straight up, on tap, at the San Diego airport. That's not the same as the brew house, is it? Mm, so no. that'd be like a jive turkey well, talk, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> what happened next, Brian? Oh, well, okay. Oh, sorry. So and, and back to the uh, fantasy story. It, next on the agenda was deciding who to include in their collaborative effort. Bring out your dead. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> so Wheaton suggested Curtis. And, uh, well, they have been friends for more than 10 years. And additionally, Cook had met the Fark.com innovator. So a few times. At oh, annual I'm sorry, ten, what? What was that? Uh, well, <laughs> it's a family beer show, Fark. Fark. Fark.com? Yeah. All right. Yeah. Just okay. want to make sure. Let me tell you something. If you don't know, you don't deserve to know. I want to remind you, you want to leave the 11 alone. <laughs> I am not 
Well, okay. Uh, so they met in Long Beach, California. I right? think since you finished it, we have we are leaving it. Alone. <laughs> I guess I'll smell it. But just, uh, just say, just say, thanks for taking one for the team shoe. Yeah, uh, thank thanks you for, for taking your shoe. One shoe. We'll we'll talk about what he's polishing <laughs> off here in a minute. So. All right, so uh, you know the trio eventually convened at a, a Stones Brink facility, which is probably super awesome to visit, uh, to, and it's crafted fabulous. what is now known as the Drew Curtis, Will Wheaton, Greg Cook, Stone Farking, Wheaton, Root Stout, longest beer name in history, pretty All much, four hundred and thirty-six characters. Oh goodness! See, I mean, is that is that like? How do we fact check that? We, we do don't. We? What, the 436? Yeah, I'm just making it up. I'm just much wondering how you knew how many I, Well, I guess, I, guess, I guess you just count it. Just, get, just you, count it. You do the spell just, check, and then you do the... No, manual, the, the count it. Character count. It's all, it's all good, Brodeo. Ryan, tell us what's it's in this good. beer. All right, brother. So, uh, what's in the, in, in the this beer? And to, in addition to the uh, traditional ingredients, which is the water... <laughs> Hops, the malted barley, of course, and uh, oh, our favorite makes everything so good, the yeast. Well, let me tell you about this long name of the beer again. The Drew Curtis Will Wheaton Grit Cookstone Farting Wheaton Woo Stout was brewed. Oh. I said that with flair. Oh, I tried to. Oh. Was brewed with wheat, rye, and pecans. pecans That's pretty dude. awesome. Pecans and beer. Dude. Yeah. And this is all based on all the collaborators' preferences and unique abilities. You know they actually sell a clone recipe at Northern Brewer for the original Woot Stout. No. Yeah. Huh. Yep. 21 uh, pounds of grain. So total. a clone of, the, of what we are drinking now. Yes. That is how reputable this beer is. Buddy. Mm. Well, let me tell you about this. Where do these ingredients come from? So, Curtis's rye and pecans, it, it, I mean, after all, he is a, a Kentucky Southerner, right? The wheat comes from Wheaton's, and I mean, come on, his name is Wheaton. And Cooks, Hoffs, he's a confessed, you know, Hop that did have you had or his uh, brews? I mean, come on. So, after fermenting, a portion of the Imperial Stout was stored in <laughs> bourbon whiskey barrels for two and a half months, and then it was blended with the rest of the beer, added the complexity. So, the resulting beer is bursting with a plethora of smells and flavoring, including cocoa. Coffee, licorice. Oh God, don't stop me now. We're talking about oak, nuts, vanilla, and of course, bourbon. So, what may actually be the highest alcohol beer ever brewed is Stone. It clocks at a hoot, thirteen percent ABV and a sixty-five IBU, so you can get some bitterness going on. The beer is ready to enjoy now, but you may properly sell for several months, or may I dare you, years. Over time, it will develop deeper, rounder, coffee, nut, and bourbon flavors at the hop aromas and bitterness subside. So, who just snorted? Uh, Somebody snorted, man. That's awesome. Yeah. 
So as a uh, kind of a, awesome. a recap here, we're talking about the longest beer name probably in a beer history. The name is the of this beer is Drew Curtis Will Wheaton Greg Cookstone Farking Wheaton Roots Out. Uh, yeah, with a stout of a 13% big boy ABV and a bit of 65 IBUs. And this is not an IPA, son. So, the hops bill is an English target. And let me tell you, this is distributed in only 36 states. And I'm told from a very secret source that is not Nebraska. Now reading in the voice of Mitch Steele, I'm going to have the shoe read some tasting notes uh, that uh, Mitch wrote. Can you channel Mitch? I don't know. Let's see. <laughs> some cocoa, coffee and fruit. It's from California, front. so you got to mid palate. <laughs> the oh, bourbon geez. barrel aged portion of the beer is apparent. So oak, vanilla nut, bourbon flavors transition to a slight alcohol heat <clears throat> and hoppy bitter finish. Hmm. As the beer warms, a nuttiness almost reminiscent of almonds starts coming through. But we use pecans. Huh. I wonder how many of us use the word almonds in these in these tasting notes. Oh, that'll be interesting. My mother-in-law would say almonds, like she says salmon. <laughs> so um, I tried not to do that this mm. evening. Almond and salmon. Well, right. I've learned some very interesting things through this. First off, uh, have Brian record anything before we drink all the beer? <laughs> Perhaps. <laughs> Uh, I do like the whole flair thing. He's probably though. the first. He's probably the first newbie that we've had on the show, and that it was so natural. Well, is not microphone shy and is a natural born voice actor. He you can know. wear the please, flair. Please, uh, please stop. That's just, that is so not cool what you are doing right now. I am so glad this is a radio show. Well, so. it's a good thing we don't have the GoPro going, right? Dan Patrick does not know what he's doing. Yeah, I, that's just not right, man. This is a family beer show, so. Well, listen, uh, I'm glad uh, we've gone through a bit of some background on uh, the stone beers. We're going to be enjoying the Wood Stout. We are going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back. Hey, welcome back to Sips, Suds, and Smokes. This is good boy Mike, and we have a tasting today of a dual vertical. He's going vertical so much. Oh, uh, yeah. Yep, and we got a lot of double talk going oh, on. Get ahead. Oh, I've got him dead ahead. Oh, yeah. Good tone. Good tone. Good tone. I got tone. I got tone. I got tone. Taste beer. Taste beer. All right, so uh, we're going to get right into uh, checking out the Woot Stout from from uh, Stone. <clears throat> now, uh, we're going to be taking these beers one at a time, and uh, we're actually going to rate things today in pairs. So our pairs are going to be uh, Mike and Brian are going to rate in a pair, and Shu and Chris are going to be the other pair. And we're going to uh, ping pong back and forth as we're going through this. Listen, we're going to start... Up first, our Chris and Shu taking on the Woot Stout 3.0. So, uh, Chris, what do you think about this, man? As he's taking one last swig. What's the question? What was the question? Yeah, yeah. I agree. Uh, Bueller. <laughs> well, um, I uh, definitely tasted some plum. 
Uh, it was uh, sweeter than I was expecting it to be. But that being said, it's definitely not unpleasant. It's a, it's definitely a, a solid stout. It's super thick, full-bodied beer. Um, aroma. I got to be honest. I mean, there's there's really not a whole lot of aroma there, and from what was described by uh, Mitch Steele, aka uh, Brian over there, um, it, I didn't I didn't taste the, uh, the 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 hop aroma or the the hop flavor that that they say they would, but it didn't really have an alcohol taste either. So. Mm. For being 13%, it was a very, very smooth beer, and I was very pleasantly surprised with it. What's your Suds rating? I would definitely say a four. A four. How about that? Uh, uh, a body should really not make that sound. Shu, what would you think about the Woot Stout 3.0? Um, I liked it. I would I would go buy another bottle. Um, I got a little bit of a nutty aroma, um, kind of what I perceived. And I think the the... Like when you drink it, it's like a silky feel in the mouth. That's always pleasant. I love that in a stout. I think it's a good quality. Um, I always like taste like a Three Musketeers bar nougat, like the chocolate inside of a Three Musketeers. That's the most pronounced <laughs> flavor I got in it. Um, it just didn't linger very much, though. So um, I actually thought it was a pretty good beer. But um, did you just finish the rest of that, dude? He did. Oh, I was going to revisit yeah. it, but um, oh. There you go. Let me revisit that. See if I poured it just for you. Besides the three musketeers, I, I, dude, I'm not in on this. So, hmm. oh, you're not either. So why are you drinking? That's the two dot Yeah, sport. So, so you're three dot I'll, I'll, I'll reserve my um <laughs> my feelings about that one. But I liked it. Um, I I would actually, you know, if this was still readily available, I would actually go buy another bottle and put it in the the fridge and uh. Try it again a year from now, hmm. or buy two bottles and try one next year and a year after that. So your suds rating on three dot. I give it a I give it a four. A four as well. <laughs> a body should really not make that sound. Well, we're out of the uh, shoot here, and up next our shoot shoot yeah yeah <laughs> shoot. shoot yeah. Uh, up next, uh, Brian and I are going to talk about Woot Stout <laughs> two dot I'm going to go first. Um, so I have some very quick tasting notes on on this particular one. Um, you know, of the three, this one had a a, a lot more booze to it, um, and I think it's just a common way that I think about barrel aged beers is the beer complementing uh, the barrel, or is the barrel complementing the beer, or is one kind of overwhelming the other? And in this case, this was a booze bomb, um, and it just. It just really kind of overtook the whole palate. I was just really tasting, you know, mostly just the booze in this. Um, I did not particularly like this beer a whole lot. My Sudge rating for Wootstout 2.0 is a 2. Was that a belch? Brian, what do you think about this beer, man? So, I guess, uh, and, and the great thing about beer is, is different people have their Absolutely, taste yeah. buds. So, you know, okay, so compared to the 3.0, there was less fruit in the aroma when just smelling, but there was, it's still noticeable. So, almost like a plum. It's kind of interesting. But on the booze part of it, to me, uh, it was much calmer. It was not as boozy or active. Uh, to it, so there was there was definitely more bourbon taste, but it just wasn't more biting to it. 
So, uh, and I definitely take some chocolate and coffee, and that was coming out more so than the 3.0 towards the end of it, and there's a, a goodness of sweetness, but I mean, I thought it was, yeah, I thought it was uh, pretty good. My rating here was actually uh, five. So. A five, how about that? Yeah. <laughs> Listen to that hang time. Give me another. Wow. Give me another. Hmm. So uh, you finished all your uh, sample, didn't you, earlier? Yes, sir. Uh, Sample to you is like half the bottle. (laughs) Yes, sir. (laughs) Well, in fact, uh, that's interesting because actually that's one of the few bottles that is completely empty is the 2.0 Woot Stout. Because it is the best beer in this entire tasting. <laughs> See, sister over here needed a rate 2.0 because Dude, he's going to be talking awesome. about this like the, the 30 minutes it takes to drive back to my house. <laughs> yeah. Okay. It's going to be it's going to be yeah. Woot Stout revisited for like 30 minutes. Dude, it is the beer. Well, I, that's the only beer that I have not had twice. Uh, sorry. That I have in your life? Beer. No, I've had that I've had it. That's the only in your life. I've had life. that one twice. Huh. The Woot Stout 1.0 is the only one I haven't had twice. And I actually scored that lower than the 2.0. See, that's and, and that's that's what's cool about beer in today's day and age. I mean, 10 years ago, it was a fairly narrow band of what's available. Today, it's like you, you yeah. may not like beer today, but, you know, try again tomorrow because somebody's going to make something you like. Yes. I mean, this this to me, this the 2.0, I, it was it was my lowest rated of all six beers we tried tonight. And but, to but, me, but I would buy a bottle of it. And to me, it was definitely the highest rated of all six beers. Yep. Um, it all comes down to palate. Chris, did you like that beer? <laughs> no, not at all. Chris, Chris. Like, not hey, Chris, at Chris. All. I actually wanted to try and sneak away with it so I could flush it down the toilet. But Well, uh, let's move right along to uh, the last beer in this vertical, which is the Wootstat 1.0. Chris and she were going to cover this. Chris, what did you think about 1.0? Chris, all right, Chris. well, I... Uh, me personally, you know, you were talking earlier about the the I believe it was the 3.0 you had the the highest alcohol burn. That was 2.0. Oh, 2.0. Yeah. Okay. Excuse me. Yes, um, your your favorite <clears throat> child. Yeah. Um to me it was the 1.0. But with that being said, it actually was the hoppiest of the three in my opinion. Um it definitely had a fruity taste to it. Um some kind of you know, resemblance of brown sugar, and it was very thick and full-bodied, and I really, really enjoyed that. Mm. She would, uh, and what's your sets rating for uh, the 1.0? Uh, I give that a four. Okay. Um, uh, it wasn't... It, uh, a body should really not make that sound. Yeah, so. it, it wasn't as high as the 2.0 <clears throat> for me. I gave the, the 2.0 a solid five, but uh, hmm. it was still a very solid beer. Uh, she, what do you think about One Dotto? Uh, One Dotto was my favorite of the three. Um, I, I got a black licorice aroma still, and and I was because I didn't read the the uh, about what the description was from 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 Greg earlier. And when I when I came back and after I wrote read what I wrote uh, about my notes about this, uh, I'm thinking, wow, it's it's pretty spot on for what you'd expect for that. But I get a black licorice kind of aroma. And um, when I was my dark chocolate flavors, um, a mild cherry notes in this, uh, raisins and molasses. I think age has been very kind to this beer. To be honest with you, I think it's it's probably better than it would have been when it came out. In my personal opinion, uh, it had a silky mouthfeel, and it kind of it kind of lingers. It's like 
I actually want to have another drink after I have a sip of it, and I'm thankful <clears throat> that it's still sitting next to me because uh, you guys don't want any more of this. No, I, it's, yeah. you want to leave it alone like you like leave, leave the 2011 mm-hmm. Black Ops alone too. Mm-hmm. So your sed rating is going to be five, a five for yeah. this. Yeah, I, 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 I may go out and try to find one of these on the web. Um, I thought it was pretty good. Cool. Uh, well, quite interesting. The internets. The interwebs. The interwebs. The interwebs. <laughs> Love that. Interwebs. Well, so we're going to spend a minute and just kind of talk about the uh, the vertical in general. Um, so we're going to start right here first with uh, Brian. What do you think about kind of the vertical in general? Um, oh, was it what you thought, tasting kind of all three? You know, what I don't know. What do you think in general? So I thought as the years went on, the uh, the bourbon and the booziness kind of calmed down. It wasn't so active in your mouth. It wasn't so biting. It was still there, definitely, but it brought out other flavors as it got older. The yeah. plum, and even the uh, the oldest one, the uh, 1.0, was the first one I smelled the vanilla in, which was awesome. Mm. So, well, cool. So, what was your favorite of the uh, of the vertical itself? And that's kind of a trick question because I thought like <laughs> the two. It's so tricky. Well, it What's is. What's your favorite color? Blue. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Is it uh, teakwool? Which your, which of your uh, children blue? do you prefer? <laughs> <laughs> so. Uh, the, the, first the, one, first one. the first one. Which one of your wives do you prefer? Well, <laughs> since I only have one, it is one. That's an easy question, actually. <laughs> same, same. Same, same. The it's one that it's different, but we're same, same. Okay, so uh, the one, the first one was, that's the first time the vanilla really came out in the aroma, and the taste was super well balanced, but... The number two had a little bit more of the chocolate and the oak and uh, what? That's my boy. What? Yeah. So, but I'm saying it's it's it, they're very different. It's hard to say what's best, but I would definitely say the one or the two over the three. The age does wonder. It's just different. Yeah, you definitely have to let the 2013 age for one or two years before actually being able to give it a fair comparison to. The one, the the one point or the two point That's right, Christopher. Uh, she, what do you think about uh, the vertical? Um, I it was it was um, interesting. I uh, I liked the oldest the best. I gave it a five. The 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 one point the newer one. I was uh, partial to for the second one, and then uh, the two point It was I, I agree with you. It was like there was like alcohol in it, mm-hmm. uh, which was a little off putting to me personally. So. Um, I liked it. I, I would uh, I would buy another one of the Woodstout ones. Probably wouldn't buy the other two. <clears throat> hmm. Interesting. Bummer. Um, <laughs> Total bummer. What's more for you? So, Chris, we, we are heard self-confessed that you love the 2.0 as you oh, yeah. gushed about it uh, for eons of time. But what did you think about the vertical in general? Did you think that it was getting better or different, you know, over time? It was time? definitely, it was, uh, I can definitely say it was different. Um whether it was better or worse, I can't say uh, because, um, as I said, I did prefer the 2.0 versus the 1.0 or the 3.0. So I can't say that it got better with age because if that were the case, then the 1.0 would be better than the 2.0. Um, but as a vertical, um, I, I thought it was fantastic. I mean, there was I could not be happier with the results. I mean, hmm. honestly, I would not if there was a rating scale between four and five, say four point five. And there's not. 
we burn people alive at the stake when they do that. Then, so it's, uh, a B, it's a B plus, not a B. Yeah, no. it's, yeah, exactly. Everybody's I mean, it, not a winner here. It, it would definitely be a four plus on every single one of these beers, if if not a five it's a participation 0. trophy. <laughs> so um, I had a few th- uh, thoughts to offer up here. So when we first talked about doing this vertical, um, my initial reaction was, uh, "Wow, could we review anything but Woot Stout?" Because I was not a fan. Uh, when it first came out. That's disappointing. Yeah, well, you know, it's just... Sometimes, you know, there's just something that doesn't you don't particularly like or you're favored. And I think part of it was a timing mechanism when this came out. There was just like this flood of, you know, uh, you know, barrel-aged uh, bourbon stout. And it was like, uh, you know, instead of having like two or three, there were like 40 on the market. And I think when I first uh, tried this, I was like, this is a gimmicky. This is a Me Too beer. I'm not really quite sure. Why doesn't Stone stick with what they do really well? Why did they have to go down this path of saying, you know, well, look what we can do, you know, uh, just like everybody else, you know. And so <clears throat> uh, so when we kind of walked into this vertical, I was, I, you know, I had a bit of that reservation kind of walking into it going, hmm, I'm just going to kind of grin and bear it through, you know, this. I was really surprised how well uh, some of these had come around. And I was, I think, uh, really kind of altered at least my perspective. Probably the one beer that uh, I really enjoyed the most, and I didn't rate it, was a 1.0. Some of my tasting notes, really complex, you know, dark fruit, a lot more cocoa. It was definitely my favorite of the round. If I had to finish a bottle here at the table, um, that would be the one that I would probably. I don't. I don't think you have to worry about that. Yeah. Nope. I, I was going to finish the the 1.0 after the 2011 Black Ops. So let me let me ask you this real quick: Is this the first chance that you've had to try any of the Woot Stout series? No. Oh, okay. No, that's what I'm saying. I had it when it first came out. The the Woot Stout 1.0. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah, and you know, I was just. Um, like I said, I just had this kind of initial reaction with, you know, the, with it. And I just, um, I probably tasted the other ones. Um, I just, I can't really recall them, you know, with great recollection, you know, it was just like, uh, as another bourbon barrel aged out, you know, um, I guess what I thought was interesting is I don't think that the complexity in 1.0 and that flavor profile was really a component of time. I really think that that was just a super solid beer uh, to begin with that got better. Um, it, it did get better with time, but it is not better because of time. I don't, it's, age, age has been kind to it. It has been. But but it, it was it would have been good out of the gate. I, I, I agree with you on that. I think it's it's interesting that um, because being a home brewer, like sometimes some of the stuff that comes out of the – the kettle originally when we first get it going i'm not real happy with it oh and i'll I'll put it away and i'll forget about it for half a year or a year and come back to it later and it's like all of a sudden it's something magical happens i think the one question i would probably throw back would be i think that there are different barrels that are involved with all three of these i it would be very difficult to sell me to say these are all the same barrel or barrel type or even the same type of bourbon that they're they're working with there's something very unique and different with all three of these on the booze side. And so I think uh, it depends on what they were aiming for. I don't think that they were aiming for let's all make the same beer year over year and let's compare them, which is a true vertical. 
I think what they were really aiming for is they were trying to make a good beer each year um, with a very similar style. Agreed. <clears throat> and I think if that was the target they were aiming for, I, I think that they they came closer to hitting that. Absolutely. So, yeah. I think they did, too. And, I mean, I think that's similar to what a vineyard will do because weather is so, you know, if we're talking about wine, weather is so dependent on how, what your grapes are going to be. And you can only make it out of what, what you end up with. So what might be good one year, the next year is, is, uh, is not quite as good, even though it was the same plant. Yeah. And yep. me, me personally, you know, I, you know, it, as it was said earlier in the broadcast, uh, I'm a huge stone fan, but, uh, these, uh, these, these, all three of these beers are solid beers. Um, you know, in my opinion, the 2.0 is the best, but, um, I would definitely buy all three of these again. Hmm, cool. Well, I think we need something. I feel the need, the need for speed. Absolutely. <laughs> we need a little bit more speed here. Well, up next is going to be some background on the Brooklyn Black Ops. Uh, and I've asked Chris to give us this background. All right. So what everyone at this table and all the listeners need to listen, need to understand is the fact that Brooklyn Black Ops does not exist. However, if it did exist, it would be a strong stout concocted by the Brooklyn Brewing Team under cover of secrecy and hidden from everyone else at the brewery. The myth is that this supposed Black Ops was then aged for four months in bourbon barrels, bottled flat, and re-fermented with champagne yeast. Presumably... Such a beer would raise a rich, fluffy, dark brown head, and it would combine chocolate and coffee flavors with a rich underpinning of vanilla and bourbon notes. A beer like that would be mighty nice, but it would be hard to make more than a few cases. It could never be sold, released to the public. How could you sell a beer that doesn't exist? Well, that's the point of this conversation. <laughs> it doesn't exist. What beer? Wink, wink. They say that the brewmaster revealed the beer to a few other people at the brewery only after it had been barreled. The rumor going around is that the brewery plans to drink the beer themselves over the holidays and give some to their family and friends. Well... That's what they say. Mm. But frankly, there's no evidence for any of this. This beer is obviously a figment of people's fervent imaginations. People tend to get loopy around the holidays. Everyone, go home now. Brian. <laughs> Don't be jealous. Huh? There's nothing here to see. Jelling like a felon. So, the supposed alcohol by volume of this non-existent beer is supposed to be 10.5%. Okay? Yeah. And the Brooklyn Brewery distributes to 25 states in 20 countries wow huge distribution that is uh, a footprint. very huge 
distribution. That's a lot of places that the beer will not exist. Not a secret. <laughs> well, well, it goes out. I think it, we were talking about but, the military earlier. I think it actually goes out like you know I, incognito. Well, like I, I think the I think the whole point of this whole thing is we all need to agree that this beer does not exist. Understand your tax money is hard at work on a military plane. This beer does not exist. this beer to Europe and everywhere else. this beer does not exist. Oh, hey, whose phone is that? Oh, cool. Hey, welcome to uh, Let's Chug a Beer. (laughs) That's our rule, man. If that phone's ringing, you're you're drinking. Well, I really appreciate the overview uh, on that. Uh, Chris and uh, some information on a beer that doesn't exist that we're consuming and rating today. So, really awesome. Um, so, you know, there were a couple of things that uh, I remember when Black Ops first came out. Um, I happened to be in the New York City area quite a bit. You know, uh, when this beer first came out, it was tw- I think 2010 was the first year. Yeah, it was. It, it literally was like you needed to know somebody to know somebody before you'd even. Wait a minute. The beer would even exist. You guys are talking about the beer that doesn't exist, right? Yeah, that's exactly right. And it had a very small distribution, you know, um, when it first came out. Um, My favorite part about the uh, marketing shtick was... This this beer was brewed in Sweden at a secret brewery, you know, yeah. and they had like all of these pictures of stuff. It was it was just a brilliant piece of of marketing, and I, I that was part of what I really loved about this beer was it was uh, it was a uh, um, a Whole Foods you know story. It was you know it was a it was a product that had a good storyline that went behind it, and I really loved that. Well, the story was they only make a thousand cases. Yeah, right. I don't know if that's true or not, but I, I mean, they the distributors and the liquor stores—that's the way they would sell. Like, you get one bottle, man. That's it. Yeah, you know, you gotta have to go back, make three trips to the same liquor store, and try to like wear something different, (laughs) so so you get at least at least get one more taste of it. You know? Yeah. Well, listen, uh, we're gonna take a uh, another quick break here. We're gonna come right back. We're gonna right, get right into tasting a beer that doesn't exist. So come right back. Hey, welcome back to Sips, Suds, and Smokes. Today's episode is a vertical tasting. He's going vertical so much. Oh, oh yeah. Rocket man, There's no lighters at the table, guys. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we, we are totally need <laughs> we are tasting uh, two vertical tastings today. We're tasting. The Stones Woot Stout and the other vertical we're doing is from Brooklyn Brewing, the Black Ops. And we're going through the last one, the Brooklyn Black Ops, right now. The one that doesn't exist. Yeah, the, the we're talking a beer that, about a beer that doesn't exist. The first beer we're going to talk about that doesn't exist is the one from 2012. And uh, Brian and I are going to discuss our tasting notes and rate this uh, first. So... Um, my uh, tasting notes on the 2012 Black Ops. I wrote down uh, pure cola, uh, sweet, and this is pretty carved up. Um, you know, I actually wrote down, and I don't think I've ever done this with a beer lately, which is this needs a straw. <laughs> so, 
Um, I just, it was so vastly different than the Woot Stout. I was like, wow, are we actually tasting a stout beer? Because we have really changed, uh, you know, a dramatic uh, style effect. And we haven't gone from like, you know, milk stout to Russian stout. We've gone to a whole new land of sweetness uh, with the way that this 2012 was. I'm... Uh, can't say that uh, this set things up really well for me. My Suds rating for the 2012 was actually a two. Yeah, I was that a belch? <clears throat> uh, I, uh, Brian, what'd you think about this? So, and that's where the glorious thing about craft beer different people have different taste buds. So, uh, you know, the Rome, I just smelling it first of all was coffee and, and it was thin air. You know what? I and I perceived it as imperial stout. It was thin versus the thick. It wasn't overpowering. It had definitely a heavy uh, fruit and plum smell to it. But it was when I tasted it, it was very sweet, almost with cherries. I don't know if it was brewed with cherries, but that's what I tasted. The coffee complemented the chocolate, and it was definitely a heavy on the mouthfeel. But what I gave it overall was a three, as if it was a good... Ah, what a relief. Well, we're out of the uh, gate with uh, the first rating here. What would you give it? On uh, three. Yeah. Uno, dos, tres. On a beer that doesn't exist. Um, So up next uh, for the uh, 2011 is going to be Chris and Shu. Chris, what did you think about the 2011 Black Ops? The the 2011. Yeah. Yeah. Say it, um, it. Come on. No, 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 wait, wait. Uh, we're we're going to invent something new here, and it's going to be just for you. You are going to win the Revan Mark Award because Revan Mark always talks like this. He didn't talk into the microphone. so I have no idea. Who you're you're right about. because he won like Revan Al Green. You know what? I will accept the honor. Yep. You know more. It is true. You just don't honor. know you know more. Yep. Probably. It, it doesn't suck. I think it sucks. I think that sucks. <laughs> yeah, it sucks. <laughs> it's so sucky. <laughs> All right, Chris, go for it. Take All right. Uh, so my uh, my my take on the uh, 2011 non-existent Black Ops um, Stout was um, it was stout. definitely Stout Cola. <laughs> yes, Cola. <laughs> it, it was definitely Cola. Yeah, Rain Man. Definitely. Definitely Cola. No, uh, 2011, um, to be totally honest, I felt like it was thinner than the than the other two years, uh, but I did feel like it was... Uh, it had less of uh, that harsh alcohol taste than uh, 2012 or 2010. Um it was it was more sweet, kind of more of a like a like a brown sugar taste. Uh pretty pleasant. I enjoyed it. Uh had that roasty flavor that I very much enjoy. Um and I I tasted I could be wrong, but my my palate personally uh tasted a little bit of vanilla and uh I I gave it a solid Four. Uh, wow! How about that? A body should really not make that sound. Shoot your you, tasting notes on the uh, 2011. You ain't wrong. Um, this is um, my favorite beer of the night. Just be upfront about that. Um, oh, I'm sorry. You were licking the inside I of the know. bottle. I was like tipping upside down. <laughs> you guys don't want this. I was taking one for the team. No, I, I got roasty aromas. Totally silky mouthfeel. It was roasty, nutty, raisin fig. 
Uh, but I also got some chocolate in it. I didn't get any of that harsh coffeeness that I got out of the 2012. Like, there's like coffee grounds almost what I, I got can, out of the 12, right? I can totally it, agree with you on so, the, on so the, the chocolate. So the, the 11 um, it was really, it, it had subtle finish. It was soft. And every time I took a sip, I just wanted to have another sip. It's like, that's the bottle of beer we had the night that I wanted to go back and like continue to pour out of before you guys realized I was drinking it all. <laughs> so I give it a solid five. Um, it was it was my favorite beer of the night. Yeah. I, I, are you talking about the beer that you continuously told us that we didn't want to drink any more of? Exactly. <laughs> that's that's called, reverse psychology. That's called good lobbying. That's, that's right. what that's called. <laughs> that's well, right. up with our uh, last beer we're going to talk about and rate is the 2010 uh, Black Ops, and Mike and Brian are going to cover that one. So uh, my tasting notes on the 2010 Black Ops. Um, you know, I wrote down it was uh, bitter. Uh, it had a bit more alcohol, and you could definitely uh, taste some chocolate in this. Uh, finally, there were some flavor profile that was coming around uh, for this. Um, you know, uh, well, I think I'll save some of those uh, comments for the whole vertical. My sips rate, my sips, <laughs> my suds rating for the Black Ops 2010 is going to be a three. Uh, what a relief um brian what do you think about the 2010 black ops so i'm not a professional but uh if i divide it into aroma and like tasting uh you know smelling it this there was some sweetness like a vanilla and a chocolate like like a neapolitan you know in terms of beer and not ice cream so but it was, in terms of the vertical, the most thick of the mouthfeel. There's a lot of oak, a lot of chocolate going on, a lot of plum, a lot of fruit. So it was definitely the heaviest of the mouthfeel of all of them. It was great. Mm. What's your uh, sedge rating, then? It was a four. Four. How about that? <laughs> a body should really not make that sound. Well, let's chat just a little bit about what we thought about this vertical once again. Uh, we'll head right back to Brian. What do you think about the vertical uh, for the Black Ops in general? I think that overall, as it aged, you got a more distinct flavor, multiple flavors, and more complex. But uh, all of them are pretty amazing. Hmm. So, but like I said, I think like you got more fruit and, and a heavier mouthful uh, when you smelled it. Hmm. So Interesting. Uh, Shu, what do you think about this vertical from Black Ops? Um, I actually, I felt pretty good about it. I mean, I think what was interesting to me is the the packaging, and I honestly think it had an effect on it. These are get the Belgian corks in them uh, versus a cap, and I think the age has not been as kind to these beers as it's been to uh, the bottles that had a cap on them. I, mm. I, I honestly got you know. I felt like the 2010 and the, somehow the 2011 was a survivor. Mm. Uh, it was it, whatever the infiltration was made it better. I think age improved that beer from what it would have been in 2011. Yeah, as opposed to the Woot Stouts, I think the Woot Stouts were better protected the way they were packaged. So I I don't know. Yeah. So uh, uh, so their listeners don't uh, have the benefit of looking at these bottles, and they were. Um, they were corked, capped a little bit different. So the Brooklyn Black Ops used a champagne cork, and the uh, Woot Stout used a, a regular traditional uh, steel cap and a uh, crimping cap. So that's my uh, um, shoe is saying um, 
that you know basically using a cork you're you're concerned that air was basically introduced by using something that was a permeable uh, i think product. so yeah oh, absolutely hmm um so chris what do you think about the uh, the vertical here for black ops in general for black ops uh i i definitely feel like i have to agree with shu um the lightest release was in my opinion the best um and i think it I really think it had to do with the uh, the the storage of the beers, uh, whether they were on their sides. If they were on their sides, then you know it, those corks are more permeable. Um, you're going to introduce different flavors, and um, the the 2013. Uh, if you don't mind me, you know, listing off. Or, sorry, not not the 2013, but the 2012 rather. Um, it had, in my opinion, the least amount of alcohol flavor, fusel alcohol. Um, it uh, definitely had uh, a more sweeter taste and a more roasty flavor, and I definitely feel like it was the best of the three in the vertical. I think it, in my personal opinion. Maybe if it were stored in a different way, it may have aged differently, but um, I definitely feel like uh, if it were stored horizontally, then it, it definitely would not uh, it, it would not uh, retain the quality. Hmm. Well, um, so I had to, uh, I kind of transitioned rather quickly kind of talking about the two verticals and I didn't give you guys a, a chance to chime in on the same subject, which, I mean, when you think about just a very basic question, which is, do you think the time is really, you know, changing the beer here for better or for worse? Because that's part of what the exercise here is saying, you know, do you think time is, is working well with these particular beers in general? Uh, Brian? I think uh, two to three years is kind of a sweet spot for it. Mm. Beyond that, it's not so much. Huh. Interesting. Shu, what do you think about time with these beers? I, I'd like to revisit the the uh, the Wood Stout uh, when 4.0 comes out and do a vertical with all four of them. Huh. To kind of see how that goes. The Black Ops. I'm pretty convinced that I don't I don't want any more of the the older stuff. Well, we have some good friends at Stone and I'm paying their beer. It might happen. <laughs> <laughs> Chris, what do you think about you know time with you know all of these beers? You know, uh, work? Well, uh, to be completely honest, I don't uh, I don't feel that uh, Stone uh, the Woot Stout was a uh, you know I don't feel that time was was favorable to their beer, but I don't think that it was um, harsh to their beer either. I mean, I think it was a uh, I think it was considering the fact that it was not the continuous recipe that they did every year, uh, they had a different recipe for every year that they did. I think they did a very good job of every recipe that they did. In my personal opinion, I feel that, that the 2.0 was the best that they did. And I'm sure, obviously, that uh, Shu and Mike both disagree with me. But how, long, how long is that right again? A half hour. <laughs> you yeah. gotta hear yeah. about it the whole way home. But uh, yeah, yeah, no shit. Uh, but uh, no, no beep. Yeah, yeah, but no beep. But uh, as far as the black ops is concerned, um, 
I think if it is, con- I think if it is, um, if it is able to be preserved in a vertical setting, and there's no chance of oxidation or cork uh, being contributed to the the flavor of the beer, I think it would be a very solid beer because, in my personal opinion. The latest version of the non-existent Black Ops beer was the best version of the beer. The 2015? The 2012. Uh-huh. Well, uh, really great stuff all around and a really great uh, experience, you know, to cover these verticals today. So let's wrap up our episode for today. Well, you, we really hope you enjoyed this episode. You can catch all of our episodes online as well on SoundCloud, TuneIn, Stitcher, YouTube, PRX, and Spreaker, our native media host. iTunes and our own Android app are the easiest ways to enjoy the show on your phone. Just search for Sips, Sud, Smokes on iTunes or in the Google Play Store. We love your feedback, and you can reach us online anytime at info at sipsudsandsmokes.com. Our daily tasting notes flow out on Twitter. Our handle on Twitter is at sipsudsmokes. And our Facebook page is always buzzing with lots of news. Listen, do us a favor and take the time to rate this episode. Definitely not Brian's performance. (laughs) (laughs) If you're listening to us online, that's a great big help to us. And it will help with Brian's therapy and voice acting. And we get to see your feedback as well. I definitely want to thank my my co-host for being here and managing to get through the whole episode without spilling an entire beer. (laughs) <laughs> Thank you for Dude, joining us, good old boy. Thank you for joining us, good old boy, Brian. Good old boy, good old boy. Uh, Brian, thank you for joining us. Oh, yeah. This is time for that witty tagline. <laughs> yeah, not that shit you were throwing out earlier. What's up? What's up? Good old boy, Chris, thanks for joining us. Cheers. And The Shoe, thanks for joining us. Man, glad to be here and really enjoy myself. Absolutely. Well, listen, this is good old boy Mike asking you to join us once again and keep on sipping. This has been a one-tan hand production of Sip Suds and Smokes, a program devoted to the appreciation of some of the finer slices of life. From the dude in the basement studios, your host, the good old boys, will see you all next time.